Welcome back to Ghostbusters Minute b b b bonus edition exclusive spooktacular. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And today we are going to be bringing you a history of the Ghostbusters spooktacular attraction at Universal Studios Orlando, as well as some other information on various Ghostbusters theme park uh, attractions around the globe. Uh, Brady, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Been looking forward to getting into this one because... Uh... You and I both did this, we experienced this show in 1994. Yeah. And um, it, was, it, it was something else. It was something else. There has been a um, design philosophy change over at Universal's and uh, Studios and how they do their parks as of late that I think has changed a lot of the problems that I've had with them initially. But we're going to be talking about this uh, attraction, which was the first Ghostbusters attraction in an amusement park, which happened at Universal Studios Orlando. And we're talking about the Ghostbusters Spooktacular. So do you remember going through this ride? I do. Uh, my memory is my memory's a little, uh, you know, shady on it because it was that was a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, you know, I just remember finding it kind of hokey. But, yeah. um, but my, my memory is kind of weak beyond that. And uh, it was in that weird period of time, like after Ghostbusters 2, and maybe, you know, one of the stronger things that resonated with audiences was the, was the Ghostbusters, real Ghostbusters cartoon series. Yeah. So you can definitely see a lot of direct influence on the attraction by some of the special effects in Ghostbusters 2, specifically the Scalari brothers and maybe Janosch with the baby carriage. Uh, and the real Ghostbusters cartoon ghost design kind of being reflected backwards onto this ride. So, or excuse me, I'm going to say ride, but I mean attraction. It's just, you know. Yeah. Like, it comes with the territory. So, um, yeah. So I remember going through it too. But before we go into that, let's talk a little bit about Universal Studios itself. So, did you know that Universal Studios Hollywood is actually opened in 1912? Jesus. Yeah, so it makes it over 100 years no. old. Yeah, so it was a basic walking tour you could do back then. Uh, very, very simple stuff. You could get onto the lot and walk around and maybe see, you know, uh, uh, the silent era, you know, like Lillian Gish or something like that, putting on her makeup. And, you know, uh, <laughs> before sound was there, uh, it was kind of easier for people to go through and tour these things because there was no audio recording. So you could have a bunch of bystanders who paid, you know, their nickel to get in and stand in the background and watch, uh, you know, uh, Birth of a Nation or Intolerance or something like that getting made. You know, I actually have heard that. There's a, a really good book about the um, the history of the Jaws ride in Universal Studios. And they do talk about how Carl Limley, the founder of Universal Pictures, uh, had a tour of the studios. So, yeah, yeah, I, I have heard of that, actually. Yeah. And that Jaws ride, that tram thing, that came on much later in the process uh, of Universal Studios. I think it was like the 1960s. They decided they were going to put in this, like, star tram ride where you would go through the lot and just kind of see, like, you might get a glance of a movie star, you know, like walking from you know, the set to smoking a cigarette and like, you know, a, uh, I can see him walking like with curlers in their hair, like smoking a cigarette, you, know, you yeah. know, like with a glass of wine, like walking back to the trailer or something like that, complaining about, you know, the shoes they're wearing or whatever. So that was kind of the, the big draw was that you would actually get to see the movies get made. And then they added on some like ride elements, some show elements in the you know 60s. Like we always see Jaws, right? Like people would drive by and Jaws would come up out of the water and go and try to buy the <laughs> try to yeah. buy the tram. Uh, so that was kind of the first uh, ride that Universal Studios had, and then they continued to expand upon that. And Universal Studios Hollywood is a full blown amusement park now. But in 1990, Universal Studios Florida opened as a competitor with Walt Disney World. Have you ever heard the stories about Michael Eisner? Maybe kind of getting an idea of what was going on, like kind of his uh, yeah for, spy work for MGM. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess before he was hired by Disney when he was still working at Paramount. 
there apparently was some sort of uh, meeting that he had where he went on to Universal Studios and they were walking around showing him like, you know, a bunch of models and stuff like that. Like, oh, you know, here's what we have planned for this movie and this movie. While he's taking the tour, supposedly he saw design plans for Universal Studios Orlando, which was going to be a direct competitor to Walt Disney World. And at some point, he left Paramount and was hired uh, by Disney as their new CEO. And the story is, is that Eisner took this knowledge that he had of Universal Studios Orlando being built and maybe ran through the studio and being like, hey, we need to, you know, or to the parks division saying we, we need to build an amusement park to compete with them and we need to get it out to market first. And in doing so, they at first wanted to put a Hollywood themed ride in Epcot Center. So I think it was like at the America Pavilion, there was going to be a ride, which was the great movie ride at Hollywood Studios or MGM at the time. Uh, It was going to be that whole attraction that was going to compete with Universal Studios. But Eisner, being the guy he is, wanted to make it a bigger and bigger, bigger idea. So they decided to make an entire theme park dedicated to film, and they would also have a working studio there. I think there might have been some problems getting some tax credits with Florida for shooting films there because they were already giving so many credits to, to Disney as was. Uh, that that never really got off the ground, but that was one of the plans too. Is Universal Studios was going to come in and they were going to build their theme park slash studio, so that you could go back and you know see the backstage stuff and then also ride rides. So uh, that's kind of the the big the conspiracy theory about it is that Michael Eisner rushed Hollywood Studios to to market to try to compete with Universal. Uh, when the park originally opened, it had 17 attractions, and finding a listing of those attractions is very difficult. I've noticed that the fan community around the historical aspect of Disney parks is much, much stronger than that of Universal Studios. I had to find actually like old map brochures from 1990 opening day to get an idea of like how many rides there were. Uh, but it was broken up into five different lands, which included uh, Production Central, Hollywood, Expo Center, San Francisco slash Amity, and then the New York section. And the New York section was a recreation of the streets of New York. So you'd have like this big cutout of the Guggenheim in the background, and you'd have a uh, building that was a facade of the New York Library. And I think that houses the Mummy Ride today, which uh, is an amazing ride uh, if you are looking to die. It's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. But uh, originally it actually held the Kong attraction. It's called Kongfrontation. So that was back there in New York as well. And then there was also the Ghostbusters Spooktacular. So this was an opening day attraction at Universal Studios. Right, and the facade was the firehouse. It was the firehouse. Yeah, yeah. and it's, I think it said Engine 89 on the front of it. It didn't say Hook and Ladder number 8 on That's it. Strange. So yeah, I guess they were trying, maybe there was a, a copyright issue or something like that. But uh, So you would go in to this, and it would look like the backside of a soundstage uh, for the queue area. So you'd walk in and... It would just kind of be like, you know, you'd see like light rigging and stuff like that as you go through the line. You'd go in and sit down. And then the general premise of the first iteration of the show was that there was a Universal Studios uh, tour guide who was showing you a recreation of the set of the Temple of Gozer from the end of Ghostbusters. And as she would stand up there, uh, some crazy spooky things would go on. Like she'd maybe walk over to the right-hand side of the stage, and then you'd see like Slimer on the left-hand side, you know, materializing out of thin air and flying around. And then she'd be like, ooh, what was that? And she'd turn around and look at it and not know what it was. And then eventually Gozer would come out of the building, and they'd have a confrontation. The Ghostbusters would end up showing up and busting some ghosts. So uh, it was a really cool effect, which was a Pepper's Ghost. You know what the Pepper's Ghost is? Yeah, but explain it. So Pepper's Ghost is a stage trick that's used in like haunted houses and movies and stuff like that. Originally, it was used in a lot of plays. And the basic trick involves a stage that is specially arranged into two rooms, one that people can see into, or the stage as a whole, and then a second room that is hidden to the side, which is called a blue room. A plate of glass or pexiglass or plastic film is placed somewhere between the main room 
at an angle that reflects into the blue room towards the audience. So generally this is arranged with a blue room on one side of the stage and the plate on the stage rotated around as a vertical axis of 45 degrees. So basically that plate glass or pexiglass or screen is there to reflect what's going on in this side room. So what happens is the light in the side room is increased, the light on the stage is decreased, and what you get on that glass is a reflection of what's going on in the side room. So this used to be used to create the effect of a ghost materializing on stage. So you'd have like a guy in a sheet there, and maybe somebody in the stage would be like, oh, where's the specter that's supposed to come at midnight? And then all of a sudden this, the lights would darken and this other light would go up. And on that glass, you would see like it was in the room there with the other actor. And the cool thing about this is the end of the light are really easy to manipulate. It's a very cheap, very easy trick, but it's very effective as well. It's used in the Haunted Mansion today. So if you've been on the Haunted Mansion, there's a section called the, uh, I guess, the ghostly ballroom. Uh, it's a big dining hall with a long table and then some dancing ghosts. And as you go through on your Doom buggy, you're looking down into a room where you can see these ghosts kind of materializing and dematerializing. And what it is that that room is a recreation in another room above you, or maybe it's below you. I don't know how it works. I think it's below. I think it's below. I believe it's above in the Ghostbusters Spooktacular, but it was below in the Haunted Mansion. So it's below you. Yeah, because you rise up. You're right. Yeah. And you're looking down. You see these ghosts like dancing. And of course, if you notice the ghosts dancing are actually dancing backwards, the women are leading because you're seeing a reflection of what's going on underneath you. So uh, they're dancing around and, you know, they kind of look ghostly because the best way to get this to read is to use like maybe a blue light or something like that. So it doesn't even look like a real world. It looks like this blue reflection of something. Right. And it's, of course, see through. So you can kind of the opacity is lowered on it in real life. You can kind of see through it. So. Um, yeah, so in the Ghostbusters Spooktacular, that uh, Pepper's ghost effect was on a very large scale. So you've got an audience of a few hundred people sitting there in this long room, and then above you is the room with all of the ghost characters. So they had Slimer, they had Terror Dogs, they had, I think, a ghost of a homeless person in a shopping cart that was going along. They that. also had a three-headed demon, and uh, I think a giant clown with a mallet would come out. So all these things would kind of materialize on the stage. At some point, the Ghostbusters would show up to help save the day. Gozer kind of like hypnotizes this woman and maybe I think it's like trying to draw her up the staircase. And then the Ghostbusters come out. Now, where this whole thing breaks down is the Pepper's ghost effect is not really an exact effect. If you're sitting in the middle of the audience, everything might look perfect to you. But somebody five seats down to the right is looking at it at a different angle from you. Yeah, there's a video that I watched on YouTube of the uh, first version that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the um, proton beams are like coming out of their... Heads. That's what I was getting at. Yeah, is the 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 proton beams. Uh, so basically, the Ghostbusters would come in and they try to like you know I think like Winston was trying to zap with this three headed demon on the left hand side of the stage, and where he would stand uh, when this when this proton beam would light up, it would not line up with his uh, with his uh, n- neutrino wand. Excuse me, a neutrino wand. Because it's very difficult to hit the exact spot with having your arms at the right level to have everybody you know see this you know light go up and hit the ghost or whatever. So. Uh, and then eventually Stay Puffed shows up. Now, I believe the Stay Puffed head, though, was not a Pepper's ghost effect. It yeah, was I believe a, that's a physical thing. It was an actual stage. physical thing backstage that would come into the side of the stage, and the Ghostbusters would zap it, and it would, you know, like evaporate, and then uh, that's pretty much the end of the show there. Well, that version's a little dull, I think. Yeah. So here's my thing. It's a little dull, and here here is my whole problem with the universal approach. Go ahead. To storytelling. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's say with Disney, you are in the story, period. That's it. Um, with Universal, the approach is like, okay, here we are on the, uh, you know, in the filmmaking process and the production, and then all of a sudden you are in the movie. 
So in this case with Ghostbusters, the host is uh, telling you that you're on the soundstage that they shot the movie and everything. And then all of a sudden the actual Ghostbusters are there. So has reality like gone into like a fictitious realm or something? It's, it's, I, I can't really. Yeah. All right. So uh, there was a made for TV movie back in the late nineties called the house of Frankenstein. I don't uh, know if you remember, it came out around. Oh, like I remember. Yes. Yeah. And um, there is a part in the beginning where the antagonist, who's this like really wealthy uh, vampire or something, I don't know, he's obsessed with finding... Account, possibly? Yeah, probably. Okay. He, uh, he is obsessed with finding the Frankenstein monster. So he's leading this expedition, and then they're in like the, you know, I don't know, frozen tundra, and they spot the body. It's frozen, and they're going to go get it. And one of the scientists is like, look... It's just like Mary Shelley described in her novel. So oh, like, hold on. No, yeah. you can't do that. I'm like, is this yeah. fiction? Or real? Like, was Mary Shelley writing about a historical event? That's the only way this can make sense. Right. So I attribute that to this, um, or, you know, it's, it's very similar to what's going on in this ride and yeah. several other universal rides. What the hell am I experiencing? Reality? Fiction? What's, if that makes any sense at all, I don't know if I'm even... No, no, it does. I, I've always said with with Universal Studios, and I, I want to say this. I think there's some stuff they do fantastic, and I think oh, the current designs, version, everything is amazing. The current version of the park is something that I enjoy going to. You know, I think the the Spider Man ride is really cool. I think they have knocked it out of the park and set a new standard with the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and Diagon Alley. Yeah, you know, Universal is the with those two attractions, they are top of the game. They're right the now. reigning king, absolutely. No now, question. Re- reigning king overall, I don't know, and I'll get to that story in a second. But with Universal. Okay, with Disney, it's like the rides happen with you, right? Like you're in the Haunted Mansion, you're in the Tower of Terror. At Universal, the rides happen at you. Even though I'm in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and I'm flying, you know, I'm in Hogwarts and I take off, it's like everything is happening like at me. It's like they're trying to throw things at me instead of like engrossing me in the world and everything. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Harry Potter ride is a particularly cool one because the technology behind it is amazing. The Kuka arm ride system, which is like this giant robot arm that's like tilting you up and down and like going around your track the whole time. But like the experiences you're having are like, you know, like they're just trying to get in your face as much as possible. And it becomes a little bit of an obtrusive thing at some point, but yeah. And, and I know the idea, their tagline or whatever is like experience the movies or something. So I understand that. The, the idea is that we're going to show you how the movies are made, but it's when I am told that I'm suddenly inside yeah. the movie that it it kind of falls off. The Jaws ride. I, not to cut you off, but real quick, the Jaws ride. Oh, the Jaws ride. Yeah, it's like, oh, we're going to take you around uh, on the Amity boat tours, and you're going to see just how the movie uh, played out. And so you have an actor who's like kind of like the Jungle Cruise skipper, um, who's taking you around, and then I think they even refer to the shark as Jaws at one point. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell is going, where am I? Yeah. Where am I? Because it's the design is so cool. All the facades are great. I mean, they really got Amity Island down to a T, all of their uh, kind of New England-style homes and everything. But um, it's it falls off when I, I just, I don't know what the hell I'm being told like where am i where yeah. am i if this makes any sense at all anyway well, keep, it, keep it it does i think in that respect especially with the jaws ride because the the the, the tour guides is like we're going to take you about around some of the sets where they shot jaws and then the shark shows up and you know i have look it's a theme park. I paid a lot of money to get in here. I am willing to suspend my disbelief. Absolutely. But at the same time, like it is a little bit insulting some parts. Like in Ghostbusters, and oh my god, there's so much in this thing that's so <laughs> insulting to the Ghostbusters intellectual property. But um, 
at some point it's like, it, c- come on. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm here to have a good time, but I'm not a child also, you know? I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So this first iteration of it, I think was pretty cheesy and I think they realized that. And that's why they decided to go back and put in the second version, which I think the second version works very well. It's a, it's much more of the getting you into it and it's happening with you instead of at you. Although it still kind of does cause they didn't change the end section, but the first two, or excuse me, I guess it's the first portion of the show is uh, much different. Yeah, it, they kind of you know tossed out the idea of being, oh, here's how the movie production went down. And now suddenly, all, that whole angle is gone, and now you're just sort of inside the movie. So it's easier to understand. There's less stuff I have to like you know wrap my head around. And, yeah. uh, and it's, it's more well done. Plus, you also get... Um, Two characters from the movie, Lewis Tully and Walter Peck. Yeah, and I think Lewis Tully showing up, I think, really sells the whole show. Absolutely. Because the actors, at least you, if you go in on YouTube, and I'm sure we'll post some of this stuff uh, maybe in the show notes, uh, the actors they had playing Lewis Tully had a really great script to follow and had uh, really great mannerisms that they got down from uh, from Rick Moranis' character that made it much more believable. But, but one of the things in the pre-show that they did, they brought everybody in and they said, okay, you're an investor here in Ghostbusters, right? You're not on a movie set now. You're in the world, okay? Yeah. So you're an investor, and for twenty nine I think $30,000, you can value your own Ghostbusters franchise. So it's almost like they're pitching you like a timeshare or something like that. Lewis Tully's coming out and saying like, hey, you want to be a Ghostbuster, we want to sell this to you, you can have your own Ghostbusting franchise. It's an interesting angle. Yeah, and he's trying to pitch you the equipment while he's there, and he's trying to pitch you this and that, and it's, it's a good setup for when the Walter Peck character comes in later. But one of the things I liked in one of the videos I saw, uh, they had a little girl get up on stage, and they put a Ghostbusters jumpsuit on her, and had her sit down in a chair, and uh, Lewis puts all this slime in her hands, and as she's holding the slime, it kind of starts to ooze around her fingers and drip to the floor, and he's like, hey, this is pink slime, it's not going to be much of a problem as long as you don't let it hit the floor. He's like, make sure you don't let it, let it the floor leslie or whatever her name is and the little girl sitting there trying to hold it and it's getting bigger and it's like you know seeping through her fingers and it's a real funny moment for the audience so she's sitting there doing that and he'll pull another guest out of the audience and he'll say i'm gonna put this a brain scanner on you and he puts the same uh you know nickel colander that Egon put on him in the movie uh where we see the vince clortho uh you know on the, on the heat signature thing um on the guy's head. And anyway, he's just showing all this funny equipment. He breaks out the proton packs and the neutrino wands. He's trying to sell the audience on how everything works. And this, of course, is all set up while there's another show going on. So this kind of helps him with load times, right? So they've yeah. got one audience in the pre-show, one audience actually experiencing the Ghostbusters show. So once the pre-show's done, everybody goes in and sits down. And that's when Walter Peck shows up. And he's here to shut down the Ghostbusters uh, because now he's part of the uh, Florida, I think, entertainment division or something <laughs> like that of the EPA. So he's there to, to check it. So, you know, we have the, the storyline from Ghostbusters continuing over. And uh, I think they did a really great job with that. One of my favorite parts, though, is when uh, Lewis Tully is trying to convince Walter Peck that this is actually that's something that's real. He shuts off the lights yeah. and some like really cheesy looking like ghosts that are made out of like clothes and like gloves and like, you know, like a mop with like a bucket on the head mm-hmm. with some paint on it come out. And then Walter Peck flips, flips the lights back on and you can see that this is just Dayglow paint ghosts. But I remember seeing that and it was kind of effective. I was kind of like, well, this is really weird. <laughs> you know, what's going on here? But, um, so, yeah, and it's cool having uh, Lewis Tully show up. Yeah, a fun, mm-hmm. recognizable character. It's instead of some host, uh, like a Universal tour guide or whatever. I'm getting someone from the movie that I liked, and right. having Walter Peck show up is cool, especially for like a Ghostbusters fan who is who's definitely going to be familiar with that. Um, so having those things was definitely a, a, a good touch. Uh, the this revamp, the second version happened halfway through the ride's uh, run. It's the whole um, I say ride. The attraction started in 1990 and uh, ended in 1996. This second version came around in 1993. Yeah. Um, 
and again, it's it's nice having like a host who's just there to be goofy and fun and everything, and not have this awkward scene where it gets, she gets possessed or something like that. And then yeah. at the end, she says, "Oh, how can I thank you?" And Peter Venkman's like, well, why don't you show up in my place around 8 or something? It's very weird. It's getting kind of awkward. Yeah, you've got your family there. You don't want to you know, put up with, with innuendo like that. But having Lewis Tully there with the Ghostbusters it makes it work a lot better. And then the, you know, the ending of the whole thing is that Walter Peck still gets marshmallowed. Yeah. You know, so the actor had to put on some sort of like jacket and like headpiece with like looks like he's like creamed with like all this marshmallow stuff. So he comes out on the stage and we get to see him, you know, get his come up and or whatever. But uh, the stage itself was actually very impressive. Yeah, very. It was a very, very large scale version of the the Temple of Gozer. So you've got the stairs leading up, the giant door that opens up, and, and the then temples it, in the back. Yeah, the temples in the back. So it, it opens up, and it's really weird because the 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 pyramid that is behind Gozer when she walks out is actually just like uh, the Illuminati eye on top of a pyramid. Did you see that in some of the stuff? Yeah, it yeah. It was very strange. So, um, because in Ghostbusters, it's it's an actual pyramid, and there's like that see-through hieroglyphic like gate that she walks through, you know, lights Ooh. come through. But anyway, and this is just the, the you know, the Illuminati <laughs> pyramid or whatever. So, um, yeah, so I think the second iteration worked much better. Oh, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. It was much more entertaining, and, uh, you know, the effects are hit or miss, but I think that the actual... I got to see some pictures from uh, one of the guys who worked on building the the robots, the animatronics for really? this. Yeah, and they actually look really good backstage, but when you use the pepper ghost effect, it doesn't always work. So the giant clown with a mallet is very well detailed. You know, the terror yeah. dog looks just like a terror dog would. Uh, Again, that, that's something that Universal definitely scores with, is their um, design. Uh, there's a, an attraction there that's like... Poseidon's, you know, oh what I'm my about? god, yeah. which uh, has like Poseidon's Fury. Yeah, the exterior is like Holy nothing I've ever shit, seen. That was the weirdest thing. And then the inside is um just phenomenal. But then your host is just like really taking me out of it, and the effects are really so that's awkward. That's the modern and... equivalent of the Ghostbusters spooktacular uh, thing that they yeah, have there. So I, we'll explore. So yeah, so it's this giant like Grecian looking like like collapsed temple. It's that amazing. You walk look, it's beautiful. And there's this like really narrow tunnel to get to the main stage area, and you go through, and there's a host, and you're basically standing in this giant black box room, right? And he's got like a uh, a lamp that he's like shining on the wall, and I he's, think like, he's like an archaeologist. He, yeah, right? he shines a flashlight at you, and that's the. Uh... The thrill at that moment. So, oh yeah, but but yeah. But then you walk through this tunnel of water, and yeah. it was amazing. Like it's, I remember, like this gate would open up, and it was like actually they made it so that water was circulating around mm-hmm. you the whole time, and the entire ca- like guest group of like two hundred people has to walk through this thing. Yeah. And then you see the cheesiest stage show I think I've ever yeah, seen in my and entire was life, like a projection of this woman's face on like a tiny little screen, and I'm like, you you give me all of this, and then you show me this little. Thing, this little like terrible looking effect. What the yeah. h- hell, man? And uh, then of course the host is like just a little too over the top. I- I'd say like um, Disney World hosts and things like that. They cut it off at the right moment. This, mm-hmm. The skippers and the Jungle Cruise are like just enough. Whereas with Universal Studios, they're just so over the top. They go all in on it, all in like two in. Um, they and, go ham on the cheese. Yeah, and just another another whole thing. A note on the. Um, Inability to distinguish if I'm in, being told that I'm like seeing film production or if I'm in a movie and all this. Disney is not altogether, uh, you know, free of that. Um, the MGM Studios Backlot Tour, which is now you know the Hollywood Studios Backlot Tour, which I don't think which is, is going to be Star Wars Land That's very right. soon, or is it no? 
Yeah, it's a mix of that and then the Toy Story land. I'm not sure, but it's not it's there both. anymore. It's both. But anyway, at the beginning of uh, in that ride's history, they had a host who would sit at the front of the tram and say, like, hey, everyone, this is how movies are made. We're going to go behind the scenes. And then there would be times where she's telling you that it's, it's actually happening, um, which they have since, uh, I think it was when the tanker blows up and starts sliding at so you. So Catastrophe just, Canyon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then uh, a few years after that, they got rid of the host altogether with, and now have a recording. Um, and they say, during the Catastrophe Canyon segment of the ride, they say this is what an action scene would look like. Right. So they cut out the whole thing. So but, you would prefer it if there wasn't the, hey, you're writing a movie thing. One or the other. Yeah. Give me one or the other. Yeah. Don't, so, don't. Confuse me. Okay. So, yeah. So which happens like, easily. Thematic consistency, I think, is the thing that you're, that yes, you're trying that's to say. It, correct. Yeah, internal thematic consistency. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Well, so you said Ghostbusters, it, it closed down eventually in 1996. 96, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, after that, did you know there was actually another production that was going on at the same time? Tell us about it. Yeah, so it's called Street Busters, and Street Busters was an outdoor performance where a group of new Ghostbusters attempted to defeat Beetlejuice. So basically, it was an outdoor type thing on the steps of the New York Public Library facade that they had for confrontation so they would have these guys dressed up in like a blue or a pink or like kind of a beige uh ghostbuster uh you know a jumpsuit uh out there is summoning beetlejuice so beetlejuice comes down and they're like hey beetlejuice we're gonna bust you and he's like no you're not and he waves his hand he does his beetlejuice magic and then like you know like uh uh, like a Justin Timberlake song would come on, and yeah. then all the Ghostbusters would be possessed, like that scene in Beetlejuice where they start uh, singing to the Harry Belafonte song around the table. Right. So it's like that. They, it, that's pretty much the show. And Beetle- I guess it makes sense because Beetlejuice is like a ghost, a paranormal, or something like yeah, that. Is so that they would the be busting him. Yeah. yeah. So it's then like, hey, eventually, here's, here's our properties. Let's throw them all together. I found some notes that the show ran from 1991 to 2003, and it was exp- it was uh, excuse me replaced with an extreme Ghostbusters. Extreme Ghostbusters version in 2002, which added a Britney Spears song. So there was that. But uh, so that was the other Ghostbusters attraction that went on a little bit longer than the Ghostbusters attraction, which was eventually replaced with Twister. Twister, ride it out. Twister, yeah. ride it out. The, the ride experience or something like that. So anyway, getting back to the Ghostbusters thing, I remember our party was walking back towards the gate because we were staying on Disney property. And this was like pretty early in the day. We had paid for tickets to go to both parks, Islands of Adventure and Universal Studios. And I remember one person at our party being like, if we leave now, we could still do like four or five hours at Magic Kingdom. And this guy in front of Twister goes, yeah, but don't you want to come experience Twister, ride it out? And we were like, what is it? And he's like, there's a tornado in a building. And I remember we were just like, nah. And we just like waved him on and we're like, later. It's like, I know he was being a barker for the thing, but it was like nobody going into this. Yeah. And, you know, if that says anything, and like like we're saying, you know, Universal really goes above and beyond when they they want to. Uh, and with stuff like this, it's just like, who's, who's leading this show here? This is not, these, these attractions are, this is all, you know, opinion, but, um, well, that was the previous management at Universal Studios. Universal Studios, I believe now is owned by Viacom and they took a swing at the King and they did not miss with the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. You know, like that was a direct hit on the nose to Disney. And then they followed up with another knock it out of the park with Diagon Alley. Those guys have said that they're investing like what, like a billion dollars a year, maybe. No, no, they're having one attraction come a year. For the few, in, in, indefinitely. Yeah, and probably they, making that money back in a day. They're opening up a water park soon, and I think they're actually expanding to a third park, probably. So what we're going to have is another Harry Potter thing open in the future. That's awesome. Yeah, that's no, really it's cool. great. But, I mean, they're definitely, like, the universal that's 
that's developing things now is not the universal that shut down Ghostbusters to replace it with Twister or Backdraft right. or whatever the hell it and, was. And I'm sure that they're going to pick up the ball and, and actually make this work this time because they are competent, uh, you know, theme park creators. It's, it, there's some really good stuff going on there. There's just some weird ideas. There's very the, weird ideas. The design, ideas. the production, for the most part, works in a really, really, really good way. But, you know, when, when was the last time Twister, the movie, was relevant? Because the trip that you're talking about was, like, within the last six years, probably. Twister... No, that was... Yeah, that was 2009 okay, when, so, when we went, yeah. You know, enough time between then and the time of Twister's release, and I'm pretty sure nobody... The general theme park going public or movie going public isn't going to remember what Twister is. But they will remember what Terminator 2 Judgment Day was because there is a really cool, really cheesy, kind of in the same vein as the Ghostbusters Spooktacular, there is another ride. It's the Terminator 3D ride. Have you been on that one? Uh, no, I haven't, but I'm, I'm aware of it. Yeah, I went on it for the first time a couple of years ago, and it was uh, with the same amount of cheese and just kind of like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, uh, effects that kind of work, you know. But Does then it they, hold up? I thought it did, but only because a lot of it is a movie that you're watching with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Linda Hamilton and Edward Furlong in there. And I don't know if the guys over at Two Minute Terminator are going to be doing that or not as something, but maybe we should contact Come them on, without Ethan talking about Alley, that. Let's yeah. do this. So anyway, speaking of Twister being out of date, do you think they should go back and replace this with another Ghostbusters ride? Um, here's how they cannot. I, I would like to see it happen. I would like to see the current... Uh, I guess administration, see what the people who were in charge of the Harry Potter stuff, what they could do with Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Um, here's, here's how that is not going to happen. On November 7th in 2008, Sony announced that it had acquired the rights to Ghostbusters as a theme park uh, presence, and Universal didn't renew its license. Right. So I don't think it's ever going to happen. Well... Um, it- Am I wrong in that? Well, no. I mean, there's a lot. This show is not over, by the way, if you're looking at this and saying, like, this is about as long as they go usually on the shows because we have a lot of information about this. But, yeah, Sony is very aggressive uh, with getting the rights to Ghostbusters as a theme park attraction out there. However, they're just not doing it in the United States. That's right. We're over in Dubai now. Dubai opens next month. Isn't that crazy? We yeah, actually like have a, a Ghostbusters. A few weeks away, there is in Dubai. There's going to be a, a movie themed theme park called Motion Motion Gate. Gate yeah, and it's uh, Sony, DreamWorks. A lot of these uh, studios have a big presence there. Dif- different rides, like um, you know, I'm just kind of drawing a blank, but I know like Shrek and yeah, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. All these pretty big animated properties, and then Ghostbusters is going to be there as well. In uh, the facade is the firehouse, and it's a. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Well, yeah. So it's actually there's a whole Ghostbusters complex that's being open. So it's you know the the thing with amusement parks now they have a central ride and they have like maybe a restaurant and maybe another ride based on it, right? So it's like uh, a land based around a specific ride is kind of the things that it, what's in style now with theme parks, like you had with the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, where you have the uh, you know um, Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey, I think is the name of the mm-hmm. attraction. And then there's also the retrofitted, uh, you know, the Dueling Dragons roller coaster and then the hog, you know, um, the Griffin ride as well. Yeah. So you have like one big ride and then maybe a couple of rides based on that as well, a restaurant or two and some shops and things like that. So this is what's going to happen in Dubai. They're going to have the Ghostbusters ride, which is going to be a trackless system. Have you ever been on one of those? Uh, the Tower of Terror. Is that correct? I think you're right. I think it is. Well, I mean, yes and no. There is a tower, a trackless portion where the elevator cart leaves uh, just sort of the like one that brings itself. you up and yeah, drives itself over. Yeah. So, but it's a um, it's so it's going to be the 1984 Ghostbusters. It's going to be the end of the movie where you're fighting Gozer, but you're going to be on the specialized little cart that is going to be bouncing over rooftops in. 
uh, in New so York. Cool. Yeah, it's it's going to be pretty neat. And of course, you have a laser gun because as we're about to go into in a second, the the way this ride should have always been, or Ghostbusters attraction should be, is a light gun type game. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, light gun games actually have a pretty uh, deep history. There was actually going to be an alien light gun game in the Magic Kingdom in Orlando in the early 80s. That's uh, right, Nostromo. Nostromo, yeah. Uh, Disney had acquired from Fox the rights to use the alien in American theme parks, which is kind of weird because I've always heard that they had the rights to it. That's why you have the alien in the great movie ride at yeah, Hollywood Studios. Which is awesome. But then a couple years ago, Universal Studios on both coasts did an alien versus predator walkthrough attraction at Halloween Horror Nights and it looked awesome I really wish I had gone to do it. it it looked really cool you had colonial marines and predators and aliens and stuff like that and I think the end of it was you had to walk by a giant queen alien um so that looked really cool. But anyway, so they were going to do that, and eventually that turned into Buzz Lightyear's Space Ranger Spin or Buzz Lightyear's Astro Blasters over That's in right, Disneyland. Yeah. So, uh, but there was actually a ride that was going to be a Ghostbusters-themed ride at uh, Six Flags in Texas called the Hauntington Hotel. Have you ever heard about this? I have, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, so a couple years ago, I think it was 2014, the website SlashFilm.com ran an article, which was an interview uh, with a Atari blog called 2600 Collection with a guy named Roger Hector, who was a former Atari and Bailey uh, uh, employee. Now, uh, Bally, excuse me, is what it is. Bally it owned Six Flags at some point. So, But uh, in the... Uh, it was going to be a light gun game that was going to have you in little Ghostbusters-type carts driving around this haunted hotel and you were going to be shooting at puppets and Pepper's ghost effects, and it would tally up a score just like you do in Buzz Lightyear Space, Space Ranger Spin or Toy Story Midway Mania. Uh, and it, they actually had this thing not completely built out, but there's a lot of design documents you can yeah. find out there on the internet, like an actual track system. It looks very similar to this thing in Dubai. Yeah. Do you think so? I think from concept. I don't know that I've actually seen any pictures of the thing that's going on in Dubai. And I would imagine the one in Dubai is probably a lot of, you know, we've come a very long way with uh, digital projection lately. Yeah. If you've gone to a theme park in the last two or three years, you've probably been amazed by some of the stuff they've been able to add to enhance rides with having digital projection of stuff. Yeah. I went, out, I went to Disneyland last year. and We rode the Alice in Wonderland ride in Fantasyland over there. And they took a ride which had some pretty cool dark effects. And then they put this digital projection on it. And some of the stuff just came to, all, to life in a way that I never thought. Yeah, from what could. I've seen. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, uh, there are some pictures of the ectopods. That oh you yes, I have online. seen those, and they're yeah. they're they're, they're kind of silly looking. Yeah, they, but they're I mean, funny looking. They, yeah, they have like faces on the front of them, uh, and it's it's cute. I like it. It's very cute. But this was yeah, this was a lot like that. This was what have been the early iteration yeah. of it. But they, I've actually seen they have like a hallway set up in the on the office where they were building, they were working on this attraction, like the technology and stuff, and they actually had one of the Pepper's ghosts in there and it was pretty cool it was a, it looked a lot like the haunted mansion in mm -hmm. fact they said that this was it is reminiscent of the haunted mansion they based a lot of their designs on the haunted mansion so it was kind of ghostbusters kind of haunted mansion it was kind of goofy and fun feeling but they said that they loved the haunted mansion but they wanted to have an interactive element to it as well so mm -hmm. i really wish this had been built because it would have been really cool and we don't live that far away from texas so i'm pretty sure that we probably would have gone to this as kids too yeah but um yeah, it's uh, so there's actually a spiritual successor to this. It's called Ghost Blasters, and it's actually a franchise of rides that are in a bunch of different amusement parks here in the United States. I actually wrote it about 10 years ago at the uh, Minneapolis uh, Mall of America. They have an amusement park in the middle of it, and they had Ghost Blasters in there. And it's basically the same thing. You get in a little cart, you go through these different rooms, and you just shoot at ghosts. And it, it's, it's, it's like a, a light gun 
uh, shooting gallery type thing. So you might shoot a ghost and it might set off something else funny happening. And then that'll give you a chance to get bonus points or something like that. Maybe you shoot a ghost and a rat jumps out of a barrel. And if you hit him, you get bonus points. So, but, uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool ride. So we got that coming, but we actually have one right now in uh, six flags, Mexico. There is a ghostbusters attraction right now called ghostbusters, Los Casa Fantasmas, La Adventura Laser. And I think it stands for ghostbusters laser adventure. So, it's a uh it opened last year in 2015 in July and it it's hard to find documents of what this thing actually is. I saw a little bit of video footage of it and it had some actors bringing some people through some rooms with projection ghosts on walls and they were wearing basically like a laser tag type vest. So one of those vests with the lights on it that lights up when yeah. you get hit and you have a gun. Uh but Beyond that, it's very hard to tell the quality of the actual product there in, in Mexico City. So, And then, of course, there's also one that we talked about in a previous episode. There's Madame Tussauds Ghostbusters Dimension, which is a interactive virtual reality experience that is being put on by a company called The Void, uh, which is a group that I guess they're guys who are working on the next generation of theme park entertainment. So in this one, you actually put on a full virtual reality headset and you have a a virtual reality gun. And it's funny because you had to put on the proton pack, but the proton pack is actually the computer that's running the program. So you've got this like smaller computer on your back that weighs like 10, 15 pounds and then the headset on. But one of the cool things about it is that it, there are, um, uh, effects in some of the rooms you go into. So it starts off, you have to walk outside of a building and walk along the side of it. And as you're seeing through your virtual reality, you're, you're in New York looking off the side of a building, but they have wind machines in there. So you're feeling like the wind hits you and yeah. you can hear like the sound of cars in the distance and stuff like that. That's but pretty cool. I've heard people who have done this rave about it. They say it's amazing. It's $50 for like a 15 minute experience, but everybody that's gone to it is like their hands are, you know, like, Oh, this is so cool. You got to try it. So you and I either have to go to New York and do the void or, we have to go to Dubai and yeah. visit Motion. Well, land. I want to go to Dubai anyway. Yeah. Sounds like a cool place. Uh, speaking of which, the Ghostbusters ride that is opening at Motion Gate uh, Park in Dubai, it, um, whenever you get off, there is a boy band performance that you can see. What? Yeah. And there is also some photo uh, ops, which I'm sure are actually kind of cool because, you know, in Disney World, they have the thing where uh, professional photographers there will take a picture of you and then you know, Photoshop, digitally add like a Tinkerbell or something like that into the picture, all kinds yeah. of elements like that. So I can see that working really well with Ghostbusters. And there's also a diner, Ghostbusters themed diner. So mm. that sounds kind of fun. But the, the boy band thing is like, ugh. So here's my hope. You want to hear my hope? Yeah, Kyle. Marvel recently brought Spider-Man back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Civil War. That's right. right. The way they were able to do that is they were approached by Sony, and Sony says, hey, man, we tried this. We can't do it on our own. We want, we, we want to be in business. We want to be in the, Marvel, in the Marvel business. Disney and Sony have a very friendly relationship. Sony owns the Ghostbusters. Disney has theme parks. Disney needs rides for these theme parks based on intellectual properties. Hmm. You see what I'm saying here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. George Caligaritas, Bob Iger, get on the line, call Kevin Sujihara and say, hey man, that last Ghostbusters movie, that didn't do so well, did it? How about if you license that thing out to us? And they start putting up some rides. So, I don't know, it'd be really cool. If you had to design a Ghostbusters ride, how would you do it? If I'm coming to you, head of Imagineering, I'm saying, Brady... We've got the license to Ghostbusters. We need to get a write-up in two years. What is your idea of how it should work? Here's my problem. Uh, I am more interested in just the environments and things like that in Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. I would rather something like you just you can go walk through the firehouse and see all the details and everything like that. 
Um, and I'm more interested in something like that than I am battling Gozer. Uh, so it's, it, you know, it'd be kind of a boring ride. Kids would definitely not enjoy it. Um, so you'd be interested more in the immersion of a ride like that, right? You'd be interested in being in the world of Ghostbusters, so yeah, the set design, things absolutely. like that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Something, something along those lines. So, um, uh, maybe a VR type, a virtual reality type setup. I think um, that's what you have to do. I mean, like, I think it would have to be in a Omnimover type system. Like, uh, we've seen the one that's going to be in Dubai, but I do think the future of these things is the virtual reality mm-hmm. aspect of it, especially hearing how people have been raving about the experience in New York, the Madame Tussauds and the Void thing. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree. I think that uh, there should be a future. We should have uh, more Ghostbusters rides coming down the line. And the rest of the world is getting them. America should have them. It's, yeah. uh, you know, uh, and there's no existing Ghostbusters ride in North America right now. And we know that Universal, you know, they've got their hands tied with Harry Potter. You know, I'm sure they could work something out with Sony, but Sony and Disney have that connection. I'm saying get on it here. Guys. That's right. Get and on it. The thing is, is like, so Ghostbusters 2016 did not take the world by storm like I think they thought it would and hoped it would. So Ghost Corps has plans for other things like another live action film, some animated stuff and everything. Who's to say those things are going to work? I can tell you what will work is a ride. Yeah. And a theme park. Yeah. So with and a gift shop attached to and it a that gift sells shop, t-shirts a, and, yeah, exactly. and slimer so plushes. Maybe they need to think, okay, this is probably where we uh, need to take the future of this, um, or part of the future of this franchise is into a theme park and do something other than battling Gozer, which is what all the other ones focus on. Yeah. Do something that's a little more interactive and really brings you into the world of Ghostbusters. That's what I would like to see. And who knows? We absolutely could hear this kind of thing be announced at D23. You know, the the Ghostbusters ride that's coming down the line. We know that Disney's got a lot of real estate left in Disney's California Adventure that they're about yeah. to bulldoze from Marvel. And I know that they've got some extra space that they could put a Ghostbusters ride in there pretty easily. So there is there is future. There is life in the Ghostbusters franchise. Absolutely. It's still there. It's just I, I think Ghost Corps is going about it probably the wrong way. And if the uh, semi success of this movie has shown them anything, it's that they might want to tackle other mediums. And Ghostbusters is just the kind of thing that's built for a ride. It's meant to be, it's, it's not meant to be, but it's a prime material for a theme park attraction. So, you know, I'm pretty sure Dan Aykroyd is a huge fan of Ghostbusters Minute, and I know he's listening to this Patreon. <laughs> you know, so, uh, but somebody out there needs to, um, needs to consider a bigger presence in theme parks and make this happen. And I don't think a, a show is, is the way to go. And I think a little bit more interactive ride experience yeah. is. So that's what I want to see happen. How about you? No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say a lot of the same. You know, I think the virtual reality is the future of this stuff. And as The Void showed, that's, you know, it can be done very well and people will love it. Uh, but I do think, you know, as we said, Disney has some real estate on their bi-coastal parks. I would like to see it go there before it goes somewhere like... Uh, you know, Cedar Point or uh, what's the other one? Um, you know, uh, Bush Gardens, Williamsburg, or something like that. Yeah. You know, um, and not to say that I don't like those parks because I actually love those parks. I used to have an annual pass to Williamsburg, uh, the Bush Gardens over there. I've told you all the time we have to go. It's amazing, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I would love to see this. I don't want to see it as a seasonal, like just Halloween theme park, uh, you know, overlay type thing. I want to see it as an actual ride, and I would love to have. Uh, something like this, uh, you know, to, to to go to because yeah, hey, Dubai's great. I'm sure Dubai's fine, but it's you know kind of hard to get on a plane and fly over there unless you're you know a super rich, super elite, right? Which uh, you know pretty soon will be ru- ruling the entire world, and we will all be a subjected you know working class. Uh, you know, we proletariat needs to rise and overthrow the bourgeoisie. I don't know where go. are we going with this. <laughs> anyway, Ghostbusters ride would be amazing. I would love to have it. Uh, 
it, it's I, I, I don't feel sad that the Ghostbusters Spooktacular closed down because I don't think it's what Ghostbusters needed. Uh, it looked like they had a lot of fun making that, and it looked like a lot of love and craft went into the design of the ghosts, and I'm really happy that we had it for a while, but it served its purpose, and it had its place, and it's over, and I really wish there wasn't such a gap in time here for another Ghostbusters ride to come along, but we do need one. I would love to have one very soon because... Seeing some of the stuff they're getting in Dubai, and uh, you know the, the the design docs for the Bally's uh, Ghostbusters Hauntington Hotel that we almost got in Texas really made me foaming at the mouth to to get something like that. So yeah, yeah. What do you think, listeners? Hit us up on Facebook. Yeah, give check, us your thoughts. Where can they check us out on Facebook? Uh, Facebook.com slash Ghostbusters Minute. Yep, and we can also check us out on Twitter.com. That's Twitter.com slash GB Minute. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And we're here to tell you that death is but a door, time a window. We'll be back. This has been a bonus episode of Ghostbusters Minute. You can also find us online at GhostbustersMinute.com, Facebook.com slash Ghostbusters Minute, Twitter.com slash GB Minute, and find us on Instagram at Ghostbusters Minute. Our theme song is Behind Closed Doors by Otis McDonald. <laughs> <laughs>